0: I have this friend of mine who lives in Texas and his name is Nick. And if Nick is watching, he knows this is true, what I'm about to say. And he wouldn't mind me telling you this because anyone who knows Nick knows this about Nick. First of all, just to give you a little description, he's like six foot six or six foot seven. And he kind of walks over, you know, bent over a little bit because he's so tall and he's really uh, just a tall, lanky guy. And he's from the South and he's a worship leader and he talks like this. And uh, I do a really good Nick impression. And actually, everyone does a really good Nick impression. Um, I think they do a better impression of Nick than Nick does of Nick. Um, But my buddy Nick, anytime you meet him, and anyone that knows him knows this, you do this. Hey, Nick, how you doing? He does the same thing every time. He sticks his belly out a little bit hunches over, starts scratching his belly. And he goes, I'm tired. And and so anyone that knows Nick, it's like this big, you know, like thing that we all do to each other. Hey, how you doing? Everybody go, oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. All the time, no matter what's going on, it could be like the greatest thing ever. He could have had like 20 hours of sleep. Oh, I'm tired. Doesn't matter. Nick's just always tired. And I was thinking about Nick when I was preparing for this sermon because I was thinking, I think all of us can get really tired and maybe a lot of us are tired. We're tired when we're hearing messages like what you've been hearing lately about engaging and you're like, yeah, that sounds great. I know I need to engage, but I'm tired. I'm just, I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot of challenging stuff. I mean, all of us have been through COVID-19, right? And there's still, you know, things that are challenging in our world and you may turn on the TV and the things that just are just screaming at you are stuff that you look at online and the stuff that's happening in our world that's beyond our control we're just like oh I'm so tired of all this and you're just like oh I'm tired and let's just have real talk for a minute I mean this is the truth it's honest there's some of you that are here or some of you that are watching online that you're newer to BCC and you're from different churches and you may be carrying around some baggage and some church wounds and some hurt from maybe where you were before if you were attending a church and you're just you're, you're tired and those of you who have been a part of BCC you've just gone through a, a massive building project and you've had a pastoral transition and we've all gone through this and we're just going oh I'm tired <laughs> and we just get exhausted and we exhale and we're looking to regain our strength and a lot of us will say I'm tired, so that's kind of why I'm sitting back for now. I need a a break. I need a time to breathe. I just need to be fed right now. And I think that's true. There are those seasons. There are those times. And so I'm not wanting to beat you up for that or make you feel guilty or make you feel bad for those things. But at the same time, when do we re-engage? When do we say, okay, it's time to get plugged back in. It's time to start running again. It's time to start getting plugged back in. Because if we don't ever start making steps in that direction, we're gonna get caught in a cycle of justifying all of our disengagement. We're gonna make a lot of excuses for the reason that we're sitting on the sidelines instead of actually being more involved, connected, and plugged in with our church family, plugged in with maybe even our own family at home, uh, present in our relationships, or living with a kingdom mindset because we're just like, my buddy Nick, oh, I just, uh, I'm tired. We need to have that transition. We need to be able to re-engage, and that's what I want to talk about today, and I want to talk about how we can move from that disengagement to being re-engaged. So if you have your Bible today, go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and as you're turning to 2 Timothy, I just want to give you a little bit of background. 2 Timothy is actually one of my favorite um, books in all of scripture because it's very relatable for me. I love how Paul is this mentor father figure towards this young minister, Timothy. And Timothy is trying to do his best. He's gifted, he's called, but at the same time, he's also intimidated by things that are happening around him. He's scared of the association that he has with the Apostle Paul because Paul keeps going in and out of prison and it's not very popular to be associated with Paul. Some people are like, hey, do you know that Paul guy? He's in prison again. And you're like, yeah, we're like best friends. you know, (laughs) Or he's my mentor. That's not a very popular thing to say. And so he's dealing with the pressure of association with Paul when Paul's in and out of prison. He's dealing with the pressure of people within the congregation where he is serving and he's a young guy. He was put into this position in, in his youth. And people are criticizing him because he is so young. But yet he's obviously a very mature person. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been placed in this role. He's gifted. He's mature. He's ready for the position. Paul laid his hands on him. And he's in this position and has been commissioned to do that. But he's just kind of tired. He's, he's tired of the outside pressure. He's tired of all the criticism And it's caused him to withdraw, just like you and I can have a tendency to withdraw when we feel pressure from the outside, or when we feel criticism, or when we feel that things just aren't going well, and we just go, Man, I just need a break. I need to unplug for a little bit. I need to just be ministered to. I need to just soak, you know, I need to just be fed. All these things that we say, but yet Paul is addressing this issue of intimidation with Timothy for the sake of helping him to actually be a good and faithful steward and to do what God has called him to do. So with that in mind, let's read 2 Timothy, first chapter, let's read the first four verses here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I want you to hear this father's heart of Paul to Timothy. He, see, he's, he says, I see the difficulty you've been going through. I acknowledge The pain that you've experienced. I'm acknowledging the disappointment, the frustration. He's giving words to that and saying, I see that, Timothy, and it's caused me to pray for you. I care about it, and I want you to know I see that. I think this is important because a lot of times in Christianity, we have this idea of if you're struggling, or if you're going through something hard, or if you feel like you're failing, or if you feel like things are frustrating or difficult and you take a step back or you unplug or whatever the case may be and and we just feel wounded, we feel like something's wrong with us and we're doing something wrong. We feel like, oh no, I've, I've just been wounded. I can't let anyone know I'm wounded. I have to put on this facade of everything is okay. And we think that that's being spiritual, but it's actually being fake and it's being hypocritical because we're not being vulnerable and we're not being real and we're not being authentic. We're instead trying to make everyone think everything's okay because we think everything has to be okay because that's what we've been told to do. Everything always has to be okay. And if it's not okay, then I'm doing something wrong. And here Paul says, I'm mindful of your tears. He didn't beat him up for his tears. He didn't tell him he's wrong for having uh, tears or having difficulty or having struggles. So many of us in Christianity beat one another up and we don't do it like a lot of times in a mean way, but we do it in a demeaning way. Well, you should just have more faith. You should pray more. You should do this more. You should do this more. And it becomes so overwhelming that we feel like I'm hurting right now. And we feel like there's something wrong with that and somehow we're failing as Christians. And the church ends up beating each other up when we're all wounded, when we're all struggling. And we never really move past that. And Paul is saying, I see your tears is causing me to pray for you. Now, Paul is mindful of his tears, but Paul doesn't want him to stay stuck in that time of grieving or in that time of woundedness or whatever's going on in Timothy's life. But we can also see the heart of God in operation here when Paul says, I'm mindful of your tears. Because as you look all throughout Scripture, God is mindful of the very same things. And I want you to hear the heart of the Lord today through the Scripture. Psalm 34 and verse 18. Could you pull that up? Psalm 34 and verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. Isn't that comforting? He is near to the brokenhearted. Didn't say he beats up the brokenhearted and tells them, you gotta do better. No, he's saying, He's near to you. If you've been through something tough, if you've been through a difficult season, God is near to you. He wants you to be healed if your spirit has been crushed. Psalm 147 and verse three says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. God is mindful of your woundedness. God is mindful of your challenges that you've gone through. He's mindful of the things that you have cried over, that you've mourned over that you have been going through difficulty and it's just caused you just such pain. He's mindful of that and he wants to bind up your wounds. He wants to be that source of healing for you. And then this scripture blows my mind, Psalm 56 and eight. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Wow, seriously? Like I know I collect some weird stuff but that's a strange thing to collect. What that scripture is saying is that God is mindful of your difficulties. He remembers those things. He's near to you during those things. God is not shaming you. God is not wagging his finger at you for being uh, someone who has experienced pain or difficulty or challenge, just like the Apostle Paul displaying the heart of God to Timothy, saying, Timothy, I'm mindful of your tears And I wish I could see you, but he can't because he's in prison and he's writing this letter to Timothy from prison. And He's like, I want to be with you, but I can't. But I know you're hurting. I know you're struggling and it's causing me to pray for you. I want you to hear me today. God sees your tears. God understands your pain and your weariness. And I understand that we all get disengaged from our passion. We get disengaged from using our gifts and we get tired when we go through rough seasons. Every one of us do this. And God sees that, God understands and can I tell you that he doesn't want you to get stuck in a cycle of being disengaged. He can actually take what the enemy meant for your harm and your destruction and turn it around for your good and his glory. And that means that the very thing that the enemy thought he was going to use to take you out is the very thing that God can turn around and just do something beautiful with. That's the power of our God, amen? So he doesn't want you getting stuck. He doesn't want you sitting on the sidelines feeling sorry for yourself. He doesn't want you justifying your disengagement. He doesn't want you just sitting on your hands when he's given you a gift. He's given every one of us a gift, and we've all been called to be stewards of those gifts. That's what we've been learning about through this series. We talked last week in Matthew 25 about the parable of the talents and about how the master entrusted to three individuals different amounts of money, and two of them were found faithful, and one of them didn't do anything with it. And the two that did something with it received the same praise. They they heard from the master, well done, good and faithful servant you have been faithful with a few things. Now I'm gonna make you ruler over much. But then to the one who didn't do anything with it, he got chastised, even though the guy said, well, here, take what you've given me and you know, just here, have it back. And the guy didn't do anything with it. So we know we're called to be stewards. We know we have a responsibility and God doesn't want us to get stuck. God doesn't want us to get stuck, but he is mindful Of the pain. He is mindful of the weariness. Some of you have just been challenged so much, maybe financially, maybe with your own health, maybe you've lost family members, maybe you've dealt with sickness personally, maybe it's just been the stress, maybe it's just been the disappointment and the frustration we went through a very heated political season we've gone through uh, people being divided over all sorts of issues and ideals and all of that can make people weary all of that can make us just want to go why even try what's the point it can make people just be continually stirred with anger and can i tell you the longer you stay angry the more you're going to get tired and disengaged and weary and the enemy loves using all those different tactics to just keep us spinning, to keep us disconnected, to keep us divided, to keep us focused on things that are distracting us from the eternal things, from the kingdom of God and kingdom priorities. And I wanna encourage you today and remind you that God does see that and God wants us to break free from this cycle of disengagement and get re-engaged. So don't get stuck in the discouragement or the pain Because you're needed. You have been given a gift. You are a steward. You have been given a responsibility. And God has called every one of us to use those gifts for his glory. Amen, church? That's why we've been talking about equipping the saints. That's why we've been talking about engaging and getting reconnected. You are needed, church. You are needed in this local body. Every one of us have been given gifts. The Holy Spirit has distributed gifts to every one of us. And therefore, the evangelization of the gospel and therefore the edification of the church. And God wants us to use those gifts to sharpen one another with, to share the good news about Jesus Christ with the world. And we need to use those gifts and say yes to those opportunities and those greater things. And that's what God has called each one of us to do. You are needed. Remember in Ephesians chapter four, where Paul writes and he says that it's like when every part of the body starts working together and every joint is moving the way it's supposed to, the body begins to grow and be built up and it's edifying itself in love. And that's what the church is called to do. But every one of us need to recognize our role and we all need to recognize that we are called to re-engage. Let's keep on reading Paul's letter to Timothy. Let's pick it back up where we left off in verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, of faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day which has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith, And love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit. That was entrusted to you. Paul tells Timothy here quite a few things. After he says I'm mindful of your tears. I want to see you. But I want you to remember something Timothy. I want you to remember. That even though you've been through difficulty. Even though you've been through challenges. That There's something on the inside of you, and I know it's there because I know where you came from. I know that your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice are women of faith, and I know that they have deposited that in you, that you have this inheritance of this investment from your family, that you have seen what was modeled, that you've seen the faithfulness of God, that you have heard of their trust in the Lord. And I am convinced, Timothy, that that same type of faith is on the inside of you. And then he goes a step further. He says, not only is that faith in you because of what was invested in you, but I remember when I laid my hands on you and God began to give you the gifts that you needed to do the job that you were being called to do. So I'm reminding you, Timothy, to fan into flame, or as some translations say, to stir up, the gift of God that is on the inside of you because God hasn't given you this fear. God didn't give you this this spirit of fear. No, that doesn't come from him. Instead, he's given you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. That phrase that Paul used to fan into flame or to stir up, that phrase is one Greek word in the original text. And that Greek word is the word anazospiro, and it is made up of three greek words that makes up this one word anazos puro the word ana in greek means again the word puro in greek means fire and then the word zos or zoe means life and what paul is telling timothy literally is to make the fire alive again He's saying there's something on the inside of you, this all-consuming fire, this gift of God that he's placed on the inside of you. He says, it's your responsibility, Timothy, as a steward. You've been given everything you need. Now it's your job, it's your responsibility to stir it up, to make it alive again because those embers are there and they're burning hot and God gave you those things. And what God has given you, man's not gonna be able to take that away Man's intimidation, man's tactics, man's uh, desire to try to to put you into the fear of submission to them. No, no, no. That can't squelch that fire because God gave that to you. But it's your responsibility to fan it back into flame, to make the fire alive again. A lot of us would want Paul to come see us again, right? If I'm Timothy, I'm like, hey, Paul, remember when you laid hands on me at one time? Remember... (laughs) Remember when you laid hands on me and like, and and then I was like really passionate to like serve God and like do this job, that was awesome. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, remember remember when that could could you maybe do that again? That's what we would want. We would want somebody to come see us again. And Paul just straight up says, "Hey Tim, I can't come see you. I can't come see you. I'm in prison. I desire to see you, so it's not for a lack of desire. But he said I." I can't come see you. And I bet even if Paul weren't in prison and he could actually physically go see Timothy, he would still tell him the same thing. I'm not gonna lay my hands on you again because it's already in you. It's already in you. In other words, this isn't something that someone else can do for you. A lot of us will sit on our giftedness. A lot of us will sit on our responsibility because we're waiting for someone else to do something for us and God's waiting on us. God's waiting on us to stir up the gift to make the fire alive again because it's already in there. He's put that thing in there. So what I'm telling you, church, is that that passion to serve God with an unbridled fervor, that passion to serve God in that relentless way, when you fell in love with Jesus when you were just so stirred with a passion to want to be with church family and to share the gospel with the world when you wanted to serve and give and when you wanted to be connected and involved all of those things are a gift from God and they're still in you but it's your responsibility to make the fire alive again because God's not going to send somebody by to lay hands on you again and stir it up again. A lot of people say, oh, I wish I could love Jesus like I did when I first got saved. I was such a passionate Christian. You can. (laughs) You actually can love him more and you should love him more, amen? I loved my wife when we first got married, but I should love her more 20 years later. I should love Jesus more the longer that I serve him. My passion shouldn't dwindle, it should only increase. My maturity, my wisdom, my discernment should increase. But at the same time, the things that I say yes to, the things that I say, yes, Lord, here am I, the things that I am willing to sacrifice for, the things that I'm willing to get engaged in and be passionate about should not be controlled by the circumstances of life because circumstances are gonna come and go. Stuff's gonna go my way sometimes and sometimes it's not. And I get it, we're all, in through a rough patch, I'm tired. And I get that and God gets that. And he sees your pain and he wants you to be healed. But you've got to stir up the gift on the inside of you. Paul says, I see your tears, Timothy. I've been praying for you, but you've got to realize that it's in there. You've got to realize that if God did it once in you, that you can't sit on your hands waiting for God just to zap you with the bolt of lightning and do it again. You can't wait for that person to... Do that thing you've been waiting on them to do for you to get reengaged. Well, I'm not doing anything in church till so-and-so apologizes to me. I'm not doing anything in church until this deal gets uh, taken care of. I'm not doing anything. And we cross our arms and we're holding our gifts hostage. And we're saying, no, 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 I I need to stir up the gift. That means forgive, I forgive. If that means take a step forward, I take a step forward. If that means that I step up and say yes, even though it doesn't make sense for me to say yes, I'm gonna step up and say yes to whatever opportunity God is putting in front of me to say yes to. Because I can't get stuck in this self-pity. I can't get stuck in this destructive pattern of disengagement where I justify my disengagement, where I justify my lack of passion. Instead, no, I have to stir it up because it's in there. Paul says, Timothy, you've got an inheritance from your family, your grandmother, your mother. I'm convinced it's there in you. I know I was there when I laid hands on you. Don't let fear keep you from doing what God has called you to do. And he's speaking specifically about fear of man. He's speaking about the association that Timothy has with Paul because this association did not make one popular in the eyes of those who were not believers, as people are going, oh, Paul's in prison again. That guy preaching Jesus, that crazy guy, he's in prison again, that'll get you locked up, right? Hey, there's that Timothy guy. Hey, you know Paul, right? He said, Paul said, don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of my chains. He said, because I look at these chains and the suffering that I'm going through, I look at it as suffering with Christ. I'm sharing in the sufferings with Christ. So that actually helps him to have the strength that he needs to endure that suffering. That's what the scripture means in uh, Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this not because I'm so great and I'm some superstar. No, it's Christ who has given me purpose and strength to be able to go through the good times and the bad times and still have my faith intact. And still have my passion, still be using my gifts because I have a greater purpose that's bigger than what man can do to me, what man can say about me. I can stand and boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and point people to him. I can continue to make disciples and I can continue to have my passion to worship and serve him with my whole heart. The gift of God is in you, it's your responsibility to stir it up. It is your responsibility. The gospel should stir urgency, boldness, and purpose in every one of us. It is the gospel that does this. It is me remembering my need for Jesus. It is me remembering what Jesus did on the cross that should stir my heart, that should stir my affections, that should align my priorities to be in line with kingdom eternal things because I see what matters to God and to have the boldness from the Holy Spirit, not some boldness I conjured up on my own, but the boldness that the Holy Spirit gives me, that I can speak and I can share the word of God boldly, that I can have that sense of urgency, and that'll help me to get unstuck. That'll help me to get off of sitting on my hands because I remember the great price that was paid for me. And I remember that when those nails were going through his hands, when he was being beaten, when he was being mocked, when I see and think about what he went through, it should have been me. That was what I deserved. But instead, I didn't get what I deserved. I got grace instead. I got forgiveness. I got welcomed into the family of God because Jesus Christ made a way where there was no way. He gave hope where there was no hope. And through faith in him, through trusting in him, through walking with him, through following him, through trusting and, and obeying him, and through 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 seeing him as, as that hope, then I too can live that life by faith and be bold, not because of me, but rather in spite of me. So make the fire alive again today, church, by stirring up the gifts and remind yourself of the gospel because the gospel should stir up a passion in us to say yes to those greater things we've been talking about. As we've been talking about discovering your gift. We've been talking about developing your gift. All those are great ideas. And all those are things that we should do. But when you're tired, when you're weak, when you're disconnected, it is time to stir up the gift and get reengaged because reengaging is good and faithful stewardship. That's what reengaging is. Remember the servants of the master who entrusted them with talents He was entrusting them with that that money to do something with it. And he's entrusting you with the gift that he's given you to do something with it. Amen, church? And we need to stir that up. It's part of our good and faithful stewardship. So guess what? That means it's not based on how I feel. Oh, because I don't always feel like it. I don't always feel like stepping up and saying yes. I don't always feel, sometimes I just wanna go, don't you know, I'm tired. Don't you know what has happened? Don't you know what I've gone through? Don't you know how difficult it is? And God says, yeah, I know. I see it and I care. But it's time to stop making excuses and be that good and faithful servant. And I was thinking about this. A lot of us hear messages like this that would stir us up. and We get excited, but then we're like, okay, what do I do? And I thought about this and and, and I wrote these things down in preparation for this message and I just am going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to use these next few words and they may not be relevant for every person here because I believe each one of us are at a different place in our journey and in our walk. Because some of you are hearing this message about woundedness and all this stuff and you're like, I feel great. I'm doing, you know, like, (laughs) that's not my deal. Like, okay, great. Well, then that part's not maybe necessarily for you. And then some of these things that I'm gonna say may be things that maybe the Lord will use to spark something in your heart to take that next step because I want you to know what to do with this message. I just don't want you to get pumped up with something and walk out and go, okay, what do I do now? I, I wanna help you and I want the Holy Spirit to just show you that next step. So I'm going to give you some thoughts and pray that the Holy Spirit uses these to help you to re-engage. Here's the first one. Maybe you're a person who has been disengaged and the first thing you need to do is repent. Oh, that's a fun word. That's a, yeah. And I mean repent by acknowledging that being disengaged, that you've disengaged and you've been sitting on the sidelines for way too long. And you need to give voice to that. And tell God you acknowledge that God, I acknowledge i've been i I was wounded, yes, I was hurt, I was disappointed, I was frustrated, and it caused me to be disengaged, but i I've been disengaged for a while now, and I, I don't know how to get reengaged. Just confess that to the Lord. I haven't trusted you to heal my broken heart. I haven't trusted you to bind up my wounds i haven't i I haven't trusted that you hear my cry i I just. I've, I've just felt tired and I've kind of gotten more tired and more angry, more disappointed or, and more self-pity or self-doubt. And Lord, I'm, I'm just, I I'm need to confess this before you and I, I need to repent, Lord, because I know that your joy is my strength. And that leads me to the next thing, that maybe, maybe you're a person who needs to facilitate a greater degree and a greater atmosphere of thankfulness in your life. Start with the gospel, being thankful for what Christ has done, because there's something about thankfulness that shifts my mind and my heart. If you have just been spewing negativity about what's not right, about what shouldn't be, about how it's not fair, about how it should have been this way, and it should have been that way, if that stuff is still coming out of your mouth, stop, stop, and repent and start speaking thankfulness. Lord, I want to just thank you for sending Jesus to die in my stead. I want to thank you for making a way. You could have just written all of us off, but instead you chose out of your great love for us to make a way, and there was no other way. We tried, we tried, and it seems like the more we try to fix ourselves, the more of a mess we make. But Lord, you made a way, and I just want to say thank you I want my heart to be stirred with a gratefulness for what Christ has done. And then look around you and begin to be thankful for what God has done in your life personally, even beyond what he's done for you by sending Jesus. Lord, thank you for the many blessings. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you, Lord. It's been a hard road, but thank you. Cultivate an attitude and an atmosphere of thankfulness. And I guarantee you that will stir up this gift of God on the inside of you and help you to get unstuck. Start being thankful. Maybe write these things down. Put them where you see them. Hold each other accountable for with your friends and your family, your spouses, to get rid of that negativity in your life, to, to not just keep going negative, 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 but be thankful. Maybe some of you, it's time for you to step up and begin investing in others. You remember the series that we did a while back called Are We There Yet? A lot of you that were here back then, you'll remember that there was a a little pie chart that was drawn on a marker board. And every week there was a new kind of step of maturity that was added. Does anyone remember the last step on that that was here? Shout it out to me if you remember. Parents, spiritual parents, that's right. I was only here for one of them, so I mean, I don't. i watched them all though i did and the last one was spiritual parenthood spiritual parenthood is this idea of now i'm investing in others now i have grown to a place in my understanding and in my spiritual maturity to where i see my responsibility is to actually be a disciple maker and i'm actually investing in other people intentionally and i'm sowing my life into them and some of you, you need to re-engage and have that gift of God stirred up in you to invest in other people. Because you've stopped and you've made excuses. Maybe that person you were investing in disappointed you and hurt you. And maybe somebody stabbed you in the back and spread lies about you. Maybe it was just too hard and took up a lot of time. Or maybe you just don't know if it's worth it. And God's saying, no, 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 that's a gift. That's a responsibility I've given you some of you mature believers i'm calling you back to this place of investment some of you who are in that spiritual parent season that you've been sitting back on the sidelines just to soak up and catch your breath i'm calling you to re-engage maybe that means starting some sort of group where some of you older saints who have some maturity in your life you invest in some young couples or some young people or some people who are maybe going through difficult times or maybe there's someone on your heart or on your mind that that you just need to tap on the shoulder and take them out for coffee whatever the case is you get engaged and it's time for us to take that responsibility of investing in others maybe that's how you stir up the gift of God on the inside of you maybe some of you need to try something new Because for a lot of us Christians, we get in these rhythms and these patterns and maybe you've been doing things for the Lord, but you've been doing these things that you've been doing and it's just become a box that you check to make yourself feel better about your walk with God and go well I'm a good Christian because I do this and I check this box every week or I check this box every day and this is the thing that I do and you need to have like a healthy disruption in that rhythm because you've lost your heart in the process and you're just doing it it's like you're honoring God with your lips but your heart is somewhere else and it's time to get your heart re-engaged and maybe that means stop doing that thing you were doing and start doing something new that stretches you and challenges you a little bit Maybe that's for somebody here today. Maybe you should read or, or listen to someone who is like an authority in the area you're gifted in to help you reengage, or someone that you just really enjoy reading after or listening to that maybe would be inspiring to you. I know that me, as a leader, one of my favorite leadership uh, ministers to listen to is Craig Groeschel. And, and when I listen to him, it, it stirs my passion to wanna be a better leader. And sometimes I need to listen to those people that God has given that platform to to invest in my growth and invest in stirring myself back up. Or uh, I really, if if I'm having a hard time with, with needing my passion stirred, sometimes I'll go and listen to like Francis Chan. you ever listen to Francis Chan? And he's like, God, I just want all the people to come to faith in Jesus. And he's like crying and he's doing things with his hands. And I'm like, I'm crying too. You're crying and I'm crying. And it stirs something in me. And I'm grateful for people who have those types of passions and gifts because it does something to me. Maybe you need to do something like that because you've just been feeling well and you need to get re-engaged. I don't know what you need to do. Maybe take a card from Serve Central. You know that over at Serve Central we have all these cards that are hanging there and those cards mean opportunities, those cards mean needs within our own church family and we need to be serving each other. We want to make sure that we can have enough people serving to help us open up our kids ministry second hours. We're basically having to rebuild everything, it seems like, from scratch, coming back from COVID and all this stuff. And we want to be able to do things like that. We want to be able to offer more ministry to more families so that the whole family can receive ministry at their age level and, and to receive excellent care and ministry and as they hear the gospel, as they grow, as they're challenged. And you can help provide those opportunities. Maybe God's calling you to step up in an area like that. Maybe God's challenging you to re-engage giving. Maybe God's calling you to re-engage prayer. Maybe God's calling you to stir up the gift of God and talk to that neighbor or talk to that family member, whatever the thing may be. I wanna encourage you to stir up the gift because God has given you a gift and he wants you to use it. However you stir up the gift, it's your responsibility to be a good and faithful steward. Stop waiting on Paul to come lay hands on you again, Timothy, and stir up the gift of God. Don't be afraid. Don't let the enemy win. Don't let what has happened in the past keep you stuck. God cares. God wants you to be healed, and he wants you to step up. I want us to receive communion together before we leave because I want us receiving the Lord's Supper together to stir us up. So I want us to do this a little differently. I want us to go ahead and get the elements ready where you take that bread in your hand. And I want us to hold that for a moment as we think about the gift that was given to us through Jesus Christ. And I want us to think about the weight of the cross and the price that he paid And when we pray to receive this, I want us to understand that that as we take this communion this morning, that we are understanding the weight of the gospel and that our hearts are being stirred to thankfulness. Scripture says that as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so Jesus wants us to remember. He wants us to be thankful. He wants us to be in awe. He wants us to, 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 to be just understanding the freedom that we have, the peace that we now have with God, the love that we've been shown. And may we have that stirred in our hearts. May that be stirred in every person here today. And may it cause a change in us. So Lord, we thank you for the gift that was given. We thank you, Jesus, you who knew no sin, came sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ we thank you for your love, for your forgiveness and for giving your body as that sacrifice may we give our bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to you, it is a reasonable act of worship we thank you for this Lord in Jesus name amen, we receive the bread this morning Jesus, we thank you for this cup and what it represents. That precious blood of Jesus that washes us white as snow. We thank you for your blood and we thank you for what you have done that none of us could ever accomplish no matter how good we are, no matter how hard we try. We thank you that you have done it. And Lord, may it stir up our affections. May it stir us to action to say yes to greater things and to re-engage with the gifts that you have given us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Will you receive this cup together? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word and to be moved and stirred and led by your Holy Spirit. May it cause transformation. And Lord, may it cause action. Let us not just be hearers of the word only, but let us be doers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.